G'day and welcome to episode two of Philosophy. It's a podcast where I explore the links between failure and success, the challenges that we face, the resilience that is required to get over those challenges. And throughout life, for me, it's always been one of those things that I have wrestled with and it's a fascinating topic where no matter who you ask, everyone has an opinion on it and everyone has a different reaction to the word failure. Some see it as a positive, some see it as a real negative vibe to it and they just don't really want to accept it or associate with it. And if you were to ask them to be on the show of philosophy, you know, they, they look at you like, well, I haven't failed. Why would you want me on your, your episode? But it's, it's for that very reason that I want to explore this because it's, it's everywhere, in my opinion. You, you face it on a daily basis from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and sometimes even in your sleep, <laughs> depending on what kind of sleep you have. But philosophy is a great vehicle that I hope you and I can get in and explore the world around us and tonight we are speaking uh, with a dietitian Dylan Maley who's a great mate of mine who has helped me out of a little bit of a hole this week I did have another guest line up who uh, was traveling and unable to come on and Dylan just happened to contact me on a certain day and and help me out of a hole but he was on the guest list even though he'll probably say to others that he wasn't he was definitely on my list of, of guests to come on the show because of his incredible intelligence for starters he's a motivated person who gets up and constantly is challenging himself learning new things you know most recently he's taught himself how to code and two years later he's coding websites and apps he's a clinical dietitian with experience in private practice in mental health uh, hospitals uh, people with disabilities and, and especially in the food service he's a massive foodie I mean if you want to get him talking about anything, get him talking about food and cooking and, and his, what he's just taught himself. You know, he's now a chef. Like, he works in a kitchen as well. It's another thing that he went off and just did, uh, you know, while working two or three other jobs. He's just a great dude who I love to chew the fat with. And I can't wait for you to hear all about Dylan Maley's philosophy and how he approaches life and, and how we all could probably learn a little bit more about food and and our relationship with food and the effect that food can have on us and how society looks at food. So here it is, episode two of Philosophy. You will hear Dylan, we are good mates as I said, he will often refer to me as Slink uh, because that is a nickname that has stuck with me since high school because I'm a dangly slinky kind of person, uh, I think is why it just stuck with me. But that's why he calls me Slink as you will hear. Here he is. Episode 2 of Philosophy. Dylan Maley. Thanks, mate. So what are we talking about? Well, we're here for Philosophy. And... I've been been thinking about this, Link. Yep. And what I've been thinking is, is just like, this is like the perfect situation for Philosophy to be in. Which is having to resort to interviewing a friend, Dylan. Resort. Because you couldn't get someone real <laughs> to come on. What a failure. But we but step in and we give it a crack. Is it a failure or is it an opportunity? It's an opportunity. And I always try to take those opportunities, even if it 
might mean that I probably will fail in the outcome, to tell you the truth. <laughs> so what's your philosophy? My philosophy. So I don't know when it happened, but I heard it somewhere or, I, or something. I read it somewhere or something like that, and it was that you have to be crap at something before you're any good at it. And over the years, I've picked up a lot of hobbies and I've focused pretty hard on learning them and, and different things like that. But in my mind was the idea that I would allow myself to be crap at things and that's part of the process in, in developing skills and understanding things uh, with a good sort of overall perspective, allowing sort of that higher level of un, um, you know practice or understanding of different different things. And so you just have to go through that time, I think. Like I've, my most recent hobby that I've been picking up is coding. Um, and I think I've been doing it for like two years now and I, I do it every day. And I look back now at things that I made and things that I do and, and it, you just have these slow, incremental, sometimes slower than others, sometimes quick. But the progress, if you want, to do it and, and want I think and want to be happy about what you're doing you have to allow yourself to not be perfect and to but to have that eagerness and desire to understand concepts behind and the logic behind things so that you can you know put the pieces of the puzzle together and you know develop as you go I love that allow yourself to be crap <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> it could always look, be the tagline of the, of the podcast yeah it is I, look I, I say it to myself I say it to myself all the time, like, you know, because I, I often... Did you say that you're a perfectionist? Up. I don't know. I don't know, because a lot of things slide through, you know. Um, but I like to see improvements. I look at improvements and being someone that is always trying to improve as the main focus of things. Like, I've done so many things where I've just been so crap at in different settings, like what you said before about taking opportunities, like... Sometimes you find yourself in situations for where you're getting offered some work or some different roles or something like that. You know that it, it's on the verge of something that you can do, but it's probably just a little bit out of your scope. I, you know what I mean? I sort of allow myself to do those things to be forced to grow. I love that you, you've set it up. You've said, you know, you, you basically take up so many hobbies. You keep yourself busy if there's something that you think you will enjoy you'll give yourself a chance yeah. to have a go at it those stepping stones are all the things that you go through to keep sort of trying and you are definitely that kind of guy like you're you're always looking at ways to continually better yourself and to give yourself that security so what did you study at university the first time i did uh human movement and teaching so i did i was a high school sports teacher but the reality the reality is when i started Bathurst University, I was very lost and knew I had to go to uni, knew I was good at sport. Um, I taught myself guitar instead of studying for the HSC. Um, Is that when you first picked so, up the guitar at school? Yeah, my mate, le my mate left a guitar at my house and uh, I did that instead of the HSC study. Um, <laughs> How did you go to the HSC, Dylan? <laughs> yeah, no good. Um, but so that... You know, I got into university before I could get into and, and did that teaching. But I knew very early on in that that I didn't want to do it. I don't know. I knew that I had to do something else. I finished uni and I, and I rang my mate Tom 
and I, he was over in London at the time. I said, I think I'm going to come over and live with you. So that happened, and I ended up taking my other mate, Termite, over with me, and he he still lives there. He never came back, but I, was, I remember having to talk him into doing it in the first place. He didn't want to go? <laughs> no. And then I suppose I was in London for two years, and I worked as a school teacher. I hated it. And so every day while I was at school working like casual teacher roles and things like that, I would study. I would just study like science and, and anatomy and different things. And then um, the day I got back from, from London, I applied for uni to get into dietetics, entered uh, a profession that was to do with food because, I, as you know, Sam, I'm quite obsessed with cooking and food and, and you know, the cultures around food and, and the differences in cooking styles and techniques, just, different cultures around the world. Just explain what diet dietetics, I always struggle with it, dietetics? Dietetics, dietetics yeah. Yeah, look, dietetics is, is nutrition science as a clinical role, uh, so dealing with illness and disease and, and things like that, something that has, I suppose, a wide range of different applications I mean, from the hospital to the outpatient setting and, and things like food service and that. I'm currently working in, in community health and, and doing lots of different things. I enjoy being a dietitian and I, and I like the effort that I had to put in to be one. And, um, and 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 that's that's one of those things I think that that effort is an outward projection of me not failing at something mm. and something that I can be proud of. So after you finished your teaching degree and you had tried teaching, realised you definitely didn't want to be a teacher. Well, I, I knew it before I even finished uni, and it wasn't it wasn't the job. It was I don't know. It was just that I didn't feel proud to be a teacher or the amount of work that I'd put in, and, and that's me personally, not you know anything else what was the driving force for you that didn't sit well with you that that where you didn't feel proud of yeah i didn't think it was like it, it was, wasn't the right kind of specialization for me like i wanted something that was more science focused and obviously i did pe you've got a close relationship with your family what were they saying to you at that time you know when you said yeah i've just done this full degree and i've got you know a good hex debt out of it and this and that but it's just not what i want to do they knew look my family's always been fairly supportive and not brought in strong opinions into decisions that I made. Just let me make decisions and, and whether they're good and bad. I, I think you realise with everything that once you create a human, it, it develops its own brain and should be allowed to do its own thing. <laughs> whether you want to or not, most of the time they can yeah, go and do it Yeah, I can imagine anyway. there's a few. There's been a bit of a few conversations to say the least. It seems like the way you talk about your life and the decisions that you make and you, know, you, you are acutely aware of your environment and the people around you, but you are also driven by this fact of, well, I'm not satisfied with this. Yeah, I'm always trying. I don't know why. I, I take advantage of a lot of opportunities and it tends to work out in my favour. I don't know. I've just got this desire to, to build things. I don't know. I'm always tinkering and making and creating in some way, you know, whether it be you know, cooking or music or now getting into coding and things like that. It's all in the pursuit of, of creation, like mm. making either making my life easier or creating something, usually cooking for other people and, try, you know, trying to make them have an enjoyable evening. And so, diet, diet, why can't I say this word? Dietetics? Dietetics, yeah. So you got into that, then realised this was giving you the ability to do as you were just saying, create healthy meal plans for people, help people. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done all that. I, I enjoy the, the level of sort of education and then, because I've put a lot of time into developing my cultural food knowledge, I, I think that 
that's an asset and something that intertwines well with the dietetic practice. So if someone has like a, an Indian background, I understand a lot about the flavors and the foods and what makes up dishes. And, or if people have, you know, a Turkish background or a Mexican background, you know, I, I understand what foods and what flavors and how to make individualized things. It's great because we, we've sort of got an understanding now of who Dylan is, you know, and how he sort of grew up and he was constantly trying and looking and, and searching. And now you seem to have found this spot where you can do all of this and continue to do other things that you're tinkering with and building as well. It's a, a way that you've been able to sort of fuse all your likes and loves and food has always been a, yeah. a, a huge thing for you. How do you help people with food and, and what have you learnt about food? You know, this thing that you used to just shovel into your mouth and just think this is bloody yeah. fucking great. I'm loving this. Yeah, three days a week I and providing one-on-one sort of dietetic services or I'm doing, I do group cooking classes for some kids in, in the local area here in, in Melbourne. And then on the weekends, I'm working as a chef in a restaurant. And so the spectrum of what, what food can do for people is quite a broad thing, you know. Food is this thing that is, is central to celebration, to socialising, to courting, you know, all of those things where it's, you know, it's a social activity, uh, an activity that brings people together. It has a lot of nostalgia and tradition around how people use it. You know, then you take a step towards the health side and then you start looking in, you know, what are the real reasons why some people may misuse food or, you know, have problems with the way food and their diet relationship is to a point where it's causing them health problems. And so there's different ways in which food and positive and negative ways in which we can do it. And the other thing is on top of those two things is the lack of real knowledge that people have around food and accessing information that's not too accurate around food is another perspective of, of things where people, you know, food is this idea of how to achieve health as well. And so it, it plays a big role in all of our lives across a lot of different ways or different aspects of our lives, you know, so. It's such an essential part of our living. Without it, we die. Yeah, 100%. But and it's, yet we it's seem also... to have so little knowledge around what it is we're actually putting in our mouth. I feel like more so maybe in the Western world, our food intake has become so bastardized. You know, one of the bigger questions that, I, that I'm constantly asking people in this setting that I'm practicing as a dietitian at the moment is more around the motives that drive decisions to eat that don't support health and using food in a way that isn't sort of coping with other stresses and, and issues that we're having in our lives because food is targeted to us for those reasons and in terms of the way it's created or the marketed and, and, and amongst other things. It, we live in a world where so much variety in food, so many ways of accessing food, and, and that's only increasing with COVID in the way that there's been companies providing like quality restaurants around Melbourne, delivery, you know what I mean, like two hat restaurants and things like that. The complexity in which we interact with food. There's so much complexity within it. What we're trying to bring in tonight's episode with philosophy, food and our diet, and you just must be seeing all these huge problems that we are creating for ourselves through our food and through our diet 
what are the key issues, the key problems that we are facing with our diet and with our food in, in society now and why are we facing them and, and are you seeing easy solutions for us to fix it? Look, it, overall, it's, there's just an excess of energy going into people. We live in an environment where we have access to food, we have access to convenience food on, on lots of different levels, whether it's like cook at home, you know, doing different takeaways or ordering and, and things like that. But we just live in a world where negotiating it is, is hard and, and negotiating, you know, the amount of time that you have to work, the amount of time that you have other commitments, and then just a lack of value that people place on the tasks that create a supportive environment for people and their nutritional health and their capacity to implement balanced nutrition. You know, and, and when I say balanced nutrition, I mean that understand how to negotiate the world of confectionery and have it in their diet in a way that they get to enjoy the food, but they don't, their health isn't impacted by it. So by placing value on shopping weekly or placing value on developing cooking skills or placing value on, you know, cooking at home every night or, or six nights a week or something like that, and, and that being an important pillar of your world, that can be something that allows you to be healthy. If food becomes less important, if you are stressed and busy and you aren't aware or mindful of decisions that you're making around food, then being on autopilot, the world is not looking after you. Is the easiest answer to say, well, let's just get rid of all the shit food if we just got rid no. of junk food, would that fix the problem? No, no. I look. I think that the humans are gluttonous. That's never going to happen. You know, that's just never going to happen. We live in a world of capitalism. We live in a world where people will buy things that taste good. We will buy. We'll. You know, we live in a world where people will spend lots of money on food and celebrations surrounding food and all of those things. It's not about changing the world. It's about understanding the world that we live in and making decisions and understanding the importance of placing value in in food and and accepting that and then with that value and importance putting in the activities that support and create a supportive environment for your nutritional health because it's it's a word that definitely keeps coming up at the moment is this value and I, I love that you keep saying that like where is the value in what we're doing I think I think that the, the value the word value can be interchanged with important you know it's important to you and therefore it has value to you in your life if, if you can have the frame of mind to take a step back and look at things at a, at a, at a higher level in your life you can say well if I'm going to eat healthy the majority of the time if I'm going to prevent excess weight gain if, I, if that's important for me, then that's going to, you know, most probably increase my life expectancy. And so just having that perspective and understanding the value, and, and that's a complex thing, you know, human levels of motivation and, and ability to focus on things or having other aspects in their life dominate for periods of time and its impact on habits is another factor. I'm a shocker for it, you know, and I would say the biggest thing for me would probably be time and energy yeah. and you know having yeah. kids um certainly threw us onto a, a different axis altogether and and we we weren't ready and and i wouldn't say that we you know i mean we've got a we've got a, a great family structure and we we get along and we get things done you know like tonight we just had the yeah. frozen crumbed fish and frozen chips 
you know, and, and that's what we had because we were both buggered. It was easy and, it, you know, and it filled us up, um, you know, and the kids are, the kids are hard to feed. Like they have very specific yeah. tastes. They have, you know, you know, and you can try and do all this sort of stuff. For some reason they love zucchini slice, which I put broccoli, carrots, zucchini uh, and eggs in it in. But then if I yep. gave them broccoli on the side, no way would they eat it, you know. And so you've got all these yeah. battles and you've got all these things that you're trying to deal with while also just trying to survive. And easiness has certainly played a part in becoming unhealthy, really. And how, yeah. do, you, like, how do you battle that? How do you get okay, out of that so cycle? At the moment, I work with one of the social workers at work and we, she started off saying just bringing up these ideas around young people and nutrition. Look, the first thing I'm going to do is offer, try and offer a cooking class, really. I did a bit of research and, and began to understand what the barriers were for young people in achieving health. And, and it, not front and center was knowledge, like health knowledge, but one of the big barriers was actually cooking skills. So we, we started this cooking program with a school of children that have different difficulties in their lives that mean that they're not suitable for mainstream schools and we go in and I, and I treat it like we're apprentice chef and we not only do we have an opportunity to learn about what is a healthy way to eat and prepare different types of meals but we we build the skills that are now allow them to prepare those meals meaning that it's not too much of a burden for them we talk about and we've developed the skills around cooking, right? And if you're talking about, oh, it's too hard, it takes too long, it's frustrating and things like that. On some nights we can come in and, and, and even in, in these lessons and things, we're cooking four meals in 10, 15 minutes because we have the skills. We've been thinking about how we approach the whole process of, of preparing and cooking that meal so it, it happens as efficiently as, as possible. Like we, we know that, okay, we're going to, First thing we're going to do is we're going to put the rice on because it's going to take a long time. So we need to give that a bit of time. We need to cook this first. We do a bit of prep here because this prep, this prep, and then we can start cooking and then we can do a little bit more prep as that's cooking. And, and once you get those ways of thinking about recipes and cooking and stuff like that, then a lot of the time gets taken out. The other thing is, again, these supportive environments. If I, I can come home with a couple of vegetables and a, and a protein, whether it be you know, fish or chicken or, or whatever, and I can cook a dish from about six different countries or I can cook like that many different dishes because I have a pantry of, of all the basics set up and, again, taking away the challenges, getting rid of the barriers, creating these supportive environments for ourselves to achieve health, which, again, is realistically the most important thing. The kids are really engaged. They always come and it, some of them, like, take it really seriously and their skills have improved so much like they can do like fine dices they know how to have really good knife skills and all these different things and they're cooking at home and trying new different things and it was just have access to a little bit of support to build those skills and and now hopefully that's the thing that enables them to have choice and now enables the barriers to be reduced and and enables them to see the value and and enjoyment you know because part of the value is, is really enjoying it I'm going to do a small segue here, Slink. I, I spent five or six hours today uh, cooking some uh, birria uh, tacos, I think it is, where it's a slow-cooked lamb shoulders, five hours in a, in a broth, made a soup, crispy, crispied up the tacos, and oh, so good. But so, No, no, you can't just leave it there. You've got to tell us. what. So what went in the broth? Oh, uh, like about five or six different types of Mexican chilies, 
uh, Wahilio, Maluta, I think I can't say them properly, Cascabel, Ancho, apple cider vinegar, garlic, all dry, roasted, and some stock and a, and a few other different little things. But and what was the meat? Yeah. Beef? Yeah, I did two lamb shoulders. So it's like a, I think it's oh. called Syria tacos, and, and you, have, you serve it with a little, with the broth, and it's worth it, all that three seconds of eating tacos. Yeah, that's right. Three seconds. Oh, well, but it you. is that like there's so much. There's so seconds. much. There's so much enjoyment to be had in being able to create this delicious thing for yourself. And I, I love feeding my partner. And so, what's the solution on a wider basis? Do you think? I mean, I know you. You know, I'm not getting you on here to fix everyone's problems for the. For yeah, the I told you not to ask this question, Wink. <laughs> um, I told you that all questions will be asked. No, I, yeah, I just look, want to know look, your opinion on how you think, you know, because I know, you're, like, you're a foodie, right? So your pantry is yeah, full yeah. of foodie stuff, random shit yeah, that look, most I'm, of us I'm, would I, never I think, have. But yeah, for a yeah, busy adult, definitely. for a busy parent, I mean, some people are married to people who don't want to cook, just simply not Yeah, look, I think, so I think it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I think cooking and food and the skills around that need to be something that is central and something that everyone has because you know i think if you look at other cultures like cooking and eating together and all of these things are much stronger than what we have in our australian anglo-saxon society i think lots of other cultures bring a lot more value living in such a multicultural country like australia you do see that don't you i mean you go through any of these you know through punch bowls, yeah, Lakemba, or all of these beautifully rich cultural areas. You know, I'm not yeah. sure what they are in Melbourne, but where, or if you have any friends from other areas like Sri Lanka, or where where these cultures yeah. where food and um, cooking the yeah. food and it's a, it's a ritual. It's part of their life. You know? 100%. And, and uh, I'm sure in our First Nations as well, it's the same thing. But for, for whatever reason, the Anglo-Saxons don't seem to have that drive and passion you know i mean you've got it i enjoy it i don't know if it's drive and passion i just don't i just don't think it's that intertwined with the essence of our culture you know what i mean like it is it's so much more intertwined like their national identity their national food and all of these things are much more i think closely intertwined and and then what than what mine or what people of my sort of uh disposition typically is you know um and and i think I think ultimately to see improvement in eventually health that I think that ultimately the culture and connection to culture and, and things like that around food is that needs to be the central point uh, and there needs to be a shift away from accessing food that is convenient and high in fat and, and things like that. I need to stop eating fast food. That's you know, I've got my own gut problems. I've got my own health issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got fibromyalgia. I've got all these things that are, that are, are going wrong. And, and there yeah. are some things that are helping with, with that. But I still stop. I did it twice this week. I went and, and got, you know, a certain golden arches for breakfast. Naughty uh, slink. Because I ran out the door. I had to go out and do a, th- a thing up north. And it was just easier. And it meant I could get a coffee and everything as well. And, you know, and I just felt so, like crap. It wasn't, it wasn't. I felt like crap it it gave me a caffeine boost and a sugar hit and then i just felt like shit yeah look high fat sits in your stomach and can make you lethargic so uh, probably not the best option but you can see it's, it, you can see uh a very nice way of putting it dylan thank you yes you can see you can see there that it's it wasn't 
important enough for you to get up in time or it wasn't important enough for you to prepare the night ahead. And so you didn't make a decision that was based on your health or taking time to make a decision. You probably put yourself in a situation where you didn't make a decision. You ventured past one and went, oh, I didn't eat breakfast or yeah, why not? I'm going up north. You know what I mean? And, and you, you weren't involved in a decision that is, you know, building habits. It is something that is, I don't know when I sort of got into that habit, but it's a habit that I, I am finding really hard to break. And I mean, is that one of the things in your work, helping people with their food and their diet and are the habits the hardest thing to break? Oh, without doubt. The people that face the biggest obstacles are those that have, for the last 15 years, used food to control their anxiety or use food to relax their mood. And instead of telling that person that they've caused them a bit of frustration, they they're developing these negative thought processes that they believe calm down their nerves or solve a problem and, and really they're just creating new ones. And, you know, we're creatures of habit and we're also paths of least resistance. I think that, it, you know, it's very common. Like from the things that we talked first off about what do we use food for? It's involved in celebrations and good times. We use it to relax. We use it to, you know, we use it at the end of the day as we've finished our day and, and it's maybe a signal that it's done and we can relax and things like that. So there's, there is a lot of behavioral and psychological components into the decisions that we make around food and a lot of people need support in how to find that value so that can support their motivation towards change and a part of my job is helping people understand situations which they find themselves in on a health perspective and what an understanding of, of that situation is and the diet to the relationship of, of that situation and how to build knowledge and skills around food that can help them to uh, improve their quality of life and, and yeah definitely a lot of that comes back into understanding behavior change, where people are with the trans-theoretical model of change and understanding self-awareness and, and some cognitive behavior type skills and, and implementing that and goal setting. And, and I think the challenge as a dietitian comes into having the awareness of all those things I've just discussed, but then how do you encapsulate those principles into an individualized intervention that is realistic, feasible and positive for the client, whether that be you don't take something away from them that detracts from their quality of life, you're sensitive to their cultural relationship with food and you understand their perspective of food and, and how to make changes that are suitable for their current ability to make changes. What I'm learning from talking to you more and, and hearing is that it's, it's a conversation that should always be included. It's something that we should always, you know, it's, it's like a question that we should always be asked when, when we're going in. You know, for me this year, I've been in hospital a few times trying to figure out what's going on with my guts and I don't feel like yeah. from my GPs and, and specialists and all these people who I've actually seen, I really don't feel like I've been asked enough about my diet and what I eat. That's a common a common feeling, I, I think, for, for people. And I think that you're right. I, I think that diet should be much more front and center within health management. Food has so much to offer health. Quite often, it's not 
the centre of things. But that just comes down to how difficult it is to change and, and the complexity of the world that we live in. You know, the medications probably have more efficacy than, than diet management alone because people just find it hard to be just consistent with their diet, you know. I prioritise everything else over the food that I ate. It did me no good whatsoever. Whereas you I... are not alone, Van Emmerich. <laughs> no, you are not, not alone. I'm not, and I and I'm fascinated, no. and I'm fascinated you... to learn more and more about it. And I know, Dylan, that this will not be the last philosophy episode that you and I do together. <laughs> yeah, we'll have another couple of people that will uh, skip out last minute, and I I will be here for you, Slinky. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you are, my friend, because yeah, you. I mean, you said it to me this morning when you got. I called you on my way to work, and you were on your way out from the gym, and you said. There are times in your life when you realise uh, that being a dietitian and having the knowledge that you have is very beneficial for yourself. You lost like, what did you lose, like five kilos in four days or something? No, not that much, but yeah, I've, uh, I've had a little crack at the moment. But you've, had, you know, you've had a successful look, few weeks because you know what to do. And I mean, not, I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying everyone, not, you don't expect everyone to have that kind of knowledge, you know. You know. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, world, the reason the world goes so far is because there's such a variety of speciality. So. Yeah, when I say we, I mean me. Um, because I can yeah, only look, talk to myself and my own, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a huge tribe. Look at everything that's happening. There's all this vegan and, and plant-based food and all these healthy, like, fast food does seem to be on the decline in some point, but I still see, yeah. you know, new fast food joints being put up every five metres, so. But that, that's the thing, though, Slink, like, we, we didn't even cover that today, but food has an impact on global warming and stuff. Like, there's, you know, it's food is, well, every, there's, Everyone eats, don't they? Every single one of us. Yep. That should give momentum to the importance that it should have in people's lives, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, not just, like, the health side of it, but the, the, the skills that go around it, you know, that you can do it. It's easy. It's not a burden. It's fun. It's, it's like anything. Like, the more you fail at something, the better you become. The better you become, the less it feels like a burden, and it frees you up, your so time much, up, yeah. your health the burden of disease, all of those things just by having placing value on this, on this one thing that we all do and you know, for, for some source, reason for sake. <laughs> What? It's our yeah, energy it source yeah. It's the it thing is. that we live on like, and yeah. it's fucking Mate, thank yeah. you It's thank a funny so thing, much. isn't it, when you think about it like that Yeah, if I was to summarise your philosophy, Dylan, I would be saying that education and knowledge is key and yep. health and knowledge of our inner self will create a better future. My philosophy, if you want to be good at anything, you have to be crap and you have to put the time in to, to get better. And if you're willing to fail from the get-go, then you give yourself the opportunity to succeed. And just give yourself some healthy stuff in between. Bloody oath, and you get to eat nice tacos. <laughs> Mate. Tacos are literally one of the best things in the world. <laughs>